Hi, everyone. Gary Tester from Catholic Charities here with another podcast on Mercy in Action. Today, Father Anthony Ahrens, uh, who is chaplain at Catholic Charities, is not with me because he's traveling. Uh, so I am winging this one on my own. So pray for me. Today, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Christine Commerce, who's the coordinator of the Diocese of Orlando Human Trafficking Task Force. Hi, Christine. Hi, how are you? It's great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Sure. First, folks, I want to start off as Father Anthony would, and I won't be nearly as eloquent as he is, but I would like to start off with a scripture verse and a prayer. I'm going to start with scripture first, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring glad tidings to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we give you thanks for the beautiful words of Scripture. We give you thanks for the timeless nature of the information that is shared in Scripture and for the impact that reading Scripture can have on our hearts, our minds, and our soul. As we gather together today to talk about a very important issue, we just pray that you will bless us with the ability to understand what we can do to truly help the oppressed go free, to proclaim good news to those who struggle. We ask that you would just walk with us each and every day and help us as we are privileged to help those in need. And we ask these things in your Son's most precious and most holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So, Christine, you've been with Catholic Charities now for about uh, 10 months? Yeah, close to nine months. Okay. Yes. And you were brought in very specifically to head an organization that was created by Deacon Fred Molina as a volunteer deacon. It was his passion, his ministry outside the walls. Tell us a little bit about the Human Trafficking Task Force uh, in terms of what its function is. The task force was formed in October of 2014, and our mission is to educate, engage, and empower the community to advocate for an end to human trafficking. And so we are actually going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary this year. And now that we are under Catholic Charities, we have the unique opportunity to provide support to survivors as well. Okay. You mentioned um, human trafficking, and that's, you know, I, I just have to be honest. When I first heard the term human trafficking, it brought to mind, you know, essentially folks who work in the sex industry and who are marketed and, you know, that they're forced as sex slaves to be demeaned as they earn money for someone else. But I have learned over time that human trafficking is so much more than that. For those who are listening to us, how would you describe human trafficking? So there are a lot of misconceptions about human trafficking. It does not necessarily mean that you have to travel from one location to another to be trafficked. You can be within your own community and be a victim of human trafficking. Um, there's also the you know issue of labor trafficking. So it's not just sex trafficking. There's a lot of labor trafficking happening not only around the world, but right here in the United States and in our very own communities. So fair to say human trafficking goes on globally? Yes. And it usually happens through some type of force, fraud, or coercion. So, for example, victims are other, either forced, so in some cases they may be kidnapped, in most cases they're not, but they're maybe beaten, withheld food, um, they're held captive sometimes, sometimes it's through physical in intimidation and so forth. Um, the fraud comes in when you have, for example, someone coming from another country 
and they're coming from a very low income area, maybe from an area that experienced uh, disaster. And these traffickers come in and prey upon those who are most vulnerable. So they offer them these jobs, the American dream of coming and finding work here. And once they get here, they confiscate their passports. And because they oftentimes don't speak the language, their families may be threatened back home or they may be threatened themselves. In addition, um, Basically, what happens, too, is that they're made afraid of law enforcement, so they often don't want to report, and they're very afraid of what's going to happen to them and whether they're going to be extradited, kicked out of the country if they do come forward. So So fear and intimidation are certainly a part of that, what I'll call package, that's used to get them to stay in whatever work that they're doing for the traffickers. Correct. And a lot of times they end up in some type of debt bondage. So, for example, if you have someone who's working in the farms and they get here and now their traffickers saying, well, you owe me this amount of money and now you have to work it off to pay it off. And then in addition, they provide them housing and toiletries and food and now their bills keep adding up. And so their dreams quickly turn into nightmares because they realize then they're never really going to get out of this debt bondage that they found themselves in. Is human trafficking a relatively new phenomena? No, it's obviously since you're reading from today's reading from the Bible, it's been around for hundreds and thousands of years. Um, What's I would say is unique now is that there's more slaves now than they ever were before. There's more slaves now than there were during the transatlantic slave trade 200 years ago. So we may not see people being auctioned off like we would have and in shackles like we would have 200 years ago. Gone are those visible shackles now replaced by the invisible chains of modern day slavery. And it's happening behind closed doors. So why do we need as a diocese And again, the theme of our podcast is mercy in action. Why does the diocese need to have a task force that addresses human trafficking? Because from what you're describing, it sounds to me like it's a law enforcement issue. I mean, I've got a bunch of creeps who are trafficking people against their will, who are are forcing them into labor of various types. Uh, That sounds to me like a law enforcement issue. Is the diocese into law enforcement? No, they're not. And we, we don't, as a task force, go out and rescue victims, and we don't encourage anyone to, to do that as well. Our mission is prevention, but what we're addressing is the affront to human dignity. And Pope Francis often talks about this, and our mission, our goals as Catholics is to look at uh, human trafficking as not only an affront to human dignity, but our role in that we play So whether we're purchasing our everyday products and we don't realize that it's coming from modern day slavery. So looking at it, whether it's not just a purchasing choice, it's a moral choice that we make. So that's going to make me uncomfortable. I've got to believe that most of us have never contemplated ways that our lifestyle habits promote or help to engage human trafficking. I can probably intuit that there are different examples I can give, but what's a common example that you or a task force member might give when you're describing how human trafficking plays out in the life of someone in a household here in the United States? So it can happen with domestic servitude. So for example, I had a friend who recently contacted me. She was interviewing an au pair and she was just recently kicked out Um, by the family that she was working for. She was promised a certain wage. She came over here from Europe 
And she was working basically around the clock, 12-hour days, receiving very little money. They withheld her wages for the past two weeks that, and then kicked her out. So that would be an example of labor trafficking um, that's happening that we don't always see because it's happening behind closed doors. It can also happen in the hotel industry because a lot of the hotels will contract other businesses and hire these um, the cleaning services for the hotels. It can happen, as I mentioned, in, in the farm workers so that are brought over and are working the fields and growing the food that we eat every day. So taking it to the um, infinitesimal degree, the foods I buy with my wife for our children could literally be supporting some type of forced labor situation. Yes. And what we don't realize is, according to the International Labor Organization, there's roughly 152 million laborers around the world who are children. And about half of those, almost half are 5 to 11 years old and and are working in hazardous conditions that endanger their health, their safety, and moral development. And approximately about 1 million of those are in sexual exploitation. And what that roughly breaks down to here in the United States is that they estimate anywhere from 300,000 roughly U.S. children a year become child sex trafficking victims. And they're also victims of labor trafficking. So Mm -hmm. we've had a couple instances locally where there's been children who are taken right here from Orlando and via van um, over to Palm Bay and they're going door to door. And this was a case that a resident called in and they were able to help those children, but they are working for little to no wages and often unsafe conditions. They are not provided access to bathrooms and they're taking it into neighborhoods where there's sex offenders and the only way to get access to a bathroom is to ask to use their facilities. Oftentimes they're not given enough food or water. So this would be an example of labor trafficking and they're peddling goods maybe from the dollar store or magazine subscriptions. So this is happening right here in our communities with our children as well. So I would have never imagined that um, these young people who might come to our front door trying to sell items to raise money for the organization that they're working with to try and raise money for their college scholarships. I would have never imagined that it's possible. It's not a guarantee, but I'm hearing loud and clear it's possible that these are actually young people who are being exploited. That is correct. And it's obviously you have your reputable groups like Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, and Mm -hmm. so forth. So what I would suggest if you see something that you're not sure about, you can ask some additional questions. You can offer to get them a drink of water and call 911 if you suspect anything. You can also you know, call the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Just ask, you know, what are they doing? What what school do they go to? Try to get as much information. If you can get a picture of the van or the license plate, that's always helpful for law enforcement. Uh, and then if you can get any information from the child, often they will have a script. And so if they seem very reluctant to talk and you know can't go off the script, that can be a sign that okay. they may be a labor trafficking Now, victim. you mentioned the National Human Trafficking Hotline? Yes. That would suggest to me, and I want you to share that number, but that would suggest to me that this issue of human trafficking, when we're dedicating a hotline to it, it suggests that it's an, an issue that, that warrants the kind of coverage we're providing it today on our podcast. Um, what is that number? So to report suspicious activity, you can call 1-888-3737-888 or text HELP to be free, which is 233-733. Okay. Perhaps I'm naive. 
human nature is, gosh, before I make that call to 911 or before I call the national hotline, I want to make darn sure that I'm not wasting someone's time and sticking my big nose into someone else's business. I suspect that from a human trafficking task force standpoint, you're going to encourage just the opposite. What kind of activities does our task force engage in and what do we say to folks who might have that mindset? First of all, if you report to the National Human Trafficking Hotline, it's anonymous. If you do suspect something, yes, you could be wrong, but you could also help save a child's life. So in this case, the case that happened in Palm Bay, it was just a resident who felt something wasn't right and decided to call it in. And and so they were able to help those children. And these children were being taken from like 7 a.m. in the morning, not returning till late in the evening. And it's these groups, such as Teens Against um, Drugs and Alcohol, who are saying, well, we're going to provide valuable services to your kids. We're going to teach them these job skills. And the parents are signing off on it, thinking that, hey, I got a great way for my kids to spend the summer. And it's not. Okay. So when the task force goes out, you do prevention. What does prevention look like? How can I prevent human trafficking in downtown Orlando? I don't live in downtown Orlando. Well, there's numerous ways. First, I would recommend getting educated. So you can schedule a presentation with the Diocese of Orlando Human Trafficking Task Force, and we would love and come out and talk about this issue some more. So our main mission is prevention through education. From there, you can do a number of a number of things. You can contact your legislators, contact your local businesses, let them know that this is an important issue to you. Let them know that we need stronger laws addressing human trafficking and that we need to address the global supply chains that they're, they're using to, to get a lot of the products that we are purchasing. I suspect that the average homeowner would be shocked to find the different products in a home that may come from unsavory supply chains. For folks who are listening in, can you give a couple of examples of products that we have in our home, foods, uh, cleaning supplies, et cetera, where there have been um, documented cases that the supply chain was not good? Yeah, so it's always interesting to me. I always ask this question during my presentations. You know, when I talk about modern-day slavery and human trafficking, and I always ask people, raise your hand if you have slaves working for you. And no one ever raised their hand. Of course. Because we don't realize that our everyday products that we are purchasing has been most likely made at the hands of slaves. We're talking anywhere from 25 to 40 million slaves worldwide that are often in labor trafficking. And so one example, let's look at chocolate. So we are purchasing chocolate almost on you know a regular basis, at least mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. But now I try to purchase fair trade chocolate because a lot of times they're using children to produce the cocoa that a lot of these major companies are using. And so in 2005, they were supposed to eradicate child slave labor from their supply chains, but it has yet to happen. And what's happening is these kids are being lured with maybe something as simple as a bicycle. Maybe their parents are selling them because they can't afford to eat. But they're often stuck on these plantations. If they try to escape, they're beaten. They're forced to sleep on black tarps. They may eat bananas and yams. They never even get to taste the chocolate that they work so hard for. One of the reporters asked a former slave, Drisa, he said, what would you tell people who eat chocolate? And he replied, tell them that they are enjoying something that I suffered to make. Tell them that they are eating my flesh. Wow, that's pretty heavy. I know you can go on and on. I mean, you could look at the seafood industry and, and the shrimp industry and 
so many of our products, we don't realize that there's people in Thailand and Indonesia on these slave ships, basically, that are forced to work against their will. Sometimes they're kept out at sea for years at a time. Some of them are as young as 12 years old. And this is a big issue because we're purchasing these products here and we're not even realizing it. And we need to make more demands. So I always thought my chocolate came from Hershey, Pennsylvania. And you're saying that the chocolate candy bar may be made in Hershey, but the cocoa that goes into the chocolate comes from somewhere else. And that's how you begin to identify those chains. Right. A lot of it sometimes maybe comes from the west coast of Africa. And that's where a lot of the human trafficking is taking place. So what do you advocate for then as a task force? What I'm, I'm looking for the mercy here. I'm hearing a lot that, that makes me uncomfortable. Um, and I'm sure that's probably the reaction. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing in your audiences, and, and you are uh, one of our presenters. I know we have many volunteers who present as well. I'm guessing when you go out and talk to an audience, you're going to get one of two basic reactions. One is, oh, my gosh, this is horrible. This is horrifying. What can I do? And the other is, no way. I don't own slaves. Well, you know, I may have seafood, but I'm not contributing to that problem. That's different. Am I right? Yes. So I would suggest that you go to slaveryfootprint.org to find out how many of your actual everyday products that you use every day using slaves. Um, So it's really interesting. And you can also download something called the Sweat and Toil app. And I always encourage this in all my presentations because it gives people another tool that they can educate themselves. And this is an app that you can look up at the goods that you buy every day and which countries are contributing to child labor or forced labor. Like I mentioned, you can also request a presentation from our task force. We also advocate that you contact your legislators and your businesses. In addition to pray for the victims for freedom, hope, and healing, their families, law enforcement, providers, and traffickers, that they will have a change of heart. Finally, you can go to cflcc.org to learn more. But I would also say that this is just you know something that we can make a big difference, even with our everyday purchasing choices. We also do hands-on activities. So if you are a group, we are looking for a group of individuals who could maybe donate some backpacks and some toiletries to help sex trafficking survivors. So those are just some ways that you can get involved. So let's talk for a minute about this notion of the survivors. The purpose of the task force is to do prevention. Correct. So that, in my book, that becomes awareness, education, and training. And you've talked about that. Where do survivors come into that conversation? Well, because sometimes we have, we work with other agencies and we have survivors that sometimes contact us or other agencies looking for assistance. And that's where Catholic charities can play a role. So just for example, we were able to help a single mother last week who was evicted. She had an eight-month-old baby and they were not able to find a shelter that would take her and her baby. There was one out of state, but it was going to be a week before they could place her there. So that's where Catholic Charities stepped in, was able to provide that temporary assistance to keep her off the streets. We also helped another mother who was evicted from her home. She had two children as well, and we were able to provide her with some assistance to help her get her back up on her feet and into a, another house so she can you know, keep her children safe. And these are trafficking victims? These are trafficking survivors. Okay. So these are folks who didn't just get evicted because they're not paying their rent. These are folks who are trying very hard to escape from the trafficking business 
and as a result, they lose their income or whoever was paying for their housing no longer does? So in this one particular case with the, the mother with the two children, she actually lost um, her job because of Hurricane Irma, because she had to stay home with her children. So she, it was a one-time situation. She actually was a nurse, and she, you know, sometimes you find yourselves in the situations um, where you just need that little extra help. You mm-hmm. maybe don't have that money in savings, and you just need that that one-time uh, assistance to get back on your feet. The other problem a lot of times with, with survivors is because the, a lot of times they become with a, a criminal record because of the, maybe they're charged with prostitution or there may be some drug related charges because that's how traffickers control their victims mm-hmm. is through the use of drugs is that they have a hard time finding jobs um, because of their drug convictions and so forth. Okay. So that's another issue. And so they do have a hard time getting back up on their feet. Thank you for sharing all this information. What's the best way for someone to reach out to the task force for a presentation? So they can contact me directly, which is 407-658-1818, extension 1122. You can also go on the Catholic Charities website, cflcc.org, and contact us that way as well. Okay, great. Now, in the month of July... There's a day that's set aside to focus on human trafficking. Tell us a little bit about that as we wrap up. So July 30th is World Day Against Trafficking in Persons, and that day is designed to raise awareness about this issue and help protect millions of lives around the world. What are we doing here in the Diocese of Orlando to commemorate that day? So we're trying to spread as much awareness as possible. So we'll be maybe doing some social media posts. We've posted a blog on the Catholic Charities website if you'd like to learn more about what you can do locally here to address this global issue. And the last thing I want to ask you, I learned um, early on in my educational process on human trafficking, there's an app that you can get that if you travel a lot and go to hotel rooms, there's an app you can get that can actually be put into a national catalog because we're at summer vacation, everyone's traveling, you can download Traffic Cam. It's an app on your phone, and you can take pictures of the hotel room where you're staying in, and that's entered into a national database. So if someone goes missing, a lot of times these girls' pictures may be posted online, and so that's a great opportunity for law enforcement to maybe be able to recognize the hotels and maybe pinpoint their location. Wow, amazing. Christine, thanks for all you do, and thanks to all the volunteers in the task force who work so diligently to try and help people become more aware of the issues of human trafficking in our world today. It's certainly one that has a much longer reach into our lives each and every day than I would have ever thought. Folks, that's just one way, again, that we look at uh, extending mercy to people in need. And I think one of the great things about this task force is if you're a parent, you're an individual, you're a family member, you're an employer, you're a worker, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, this information can definitely impact you and the people uh, that you come in contact with. So we're grateful for the work that you do. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Sure. God bless you.